Hey, what's up, Blazer fans? Welcome to the Blazer's Edge podcast. I am Tara Bowen Biggs, joined once again by my co-host, Blazer's Outsider, Danny Morang. Danny, welcome back. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. It's good to be back. You know, it's, the uh, last It's a little week, bit different here. I have been just on the edge of my seat wanting to know how you have reacted and what your feelings and what your thoughts were about all these trades and moves that the Blazers have made. So I can't wait to hear from you. <laughs> okay. Um, this is going to be wrong. So uh, we can talk about it a little bit more. So I don't, I don't want, to, want to bury the lead on the, the personal side. Uh, the reason I was gone, uh, some of you may have seen on social, I was in Mexico to take my girlfriend, now fiance, to Puerto Vallarta for the week. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so the, the plan of the trip was to to go down there and to propose to her and that she said yes for anybody wondering. Uh, so I'm now happily Phew. engaged. Woo! Yeah, no, that was. Uh, I was sweating from from more than just humidity. Um, but the. So are we going to have like the you know the soft, kinder, gentler Dan now that you're you know hitched and <clears throat> I don't, I don't know about engaged. all that. Well, maybe, maybe maybe once once in a while you get you get one less fiery take. Um, but so. The whole thing, I say all this not to just be like, hey, I got engaged, cool, because it, it's amazing, but to frame it for the basketball talk, we were supposed to be gone two weeks sooner, but the Blazers going deeper into the playoffs and having a commitment you know, for TV that I can't just walk away from <laughs> um, had to completely change the travel time and to make it all work, um, I had to be gone during free agency. And I was like, oh. So were you allowed like specific screen time while you were gone? Is that you made the arrangements in advance? Yes. uh, Pre-agreed upon screen time on the 30th and the 1st. So I could kind of keep a hold of what was going on. Um, I knew a little bit um, of what Portland had planned to do. Uh, just talking to a few guys uh, around the league. Um, so I wasn't surprised by anything other than uh, the hood signing. That one was the one that uh, caught me off guard because I, I had heard that he may be willing to take less. But the source that I had on it or the person that I had was third hand. And I just wasn't about to believe that a guy that, you know, had played himself that way uh, up. Uh, during the playoffs would be willing to take less, but uh, I was pleasantly surprised. So that was a really, really cool way to start off for agency. So when your allotted screen time was up, did she like come and turn the button off or did you like try to say just 15 more minutes or I, I, are you pretty I, good I, about turning I, it I, off? I was actually pretty good about it. I didn't use all my time up on the first day. So uh, I, I got, to, I got, I got, I got a rollover plan. Ah, very good. Uh, well, let's yeah. ru- let's run it back and start with the first bit of news, um, and that was the big trade, Evan Turner for Kent Bazemore. So I was wondering what you thought about that because there you, you turn up, took on somebody who's making even a little bit more money than Evan Turner. So what yeah. were your initial thoughts about that? So overall. Uh, I was surprised that the Blazers were able to move not one, not two, but three of the all three remaining 2016 deals. And obviously this is the first one here. Um, I, I had heard something like this rumored for a while. 
that Portland was looking to swap for one of those deals, uh, one deal for another to for to a team that was you know looking to take on something else. And the problem is, is Evan needed to be the right fit, right? Because of the lack of shooting. Well, Atlanta's a team that they're young and rebuilding. They need a veteran presence. They can use him as the backup, you know, point forward, uh, primary initiator, ball handler with the second unit, and be a, excuse me, a good guy to, to bring around those guys. Baysmore fits more in Portland. Um, the the running theme through all these deals um, that is going to be a little interesting to see how it plays out is who the hell is going to play defense. Um, but Baysmore, I guess, is the guy you're hoping can pick up some of the slack on that end. Um, I think Evan is obviously, I think, a little bit more versatile on that end. So that's going to be a little strange. And this is another indication that Portland is definitely handing the keys of the second unit off to Anthony Simons because there is no other primary creators, initiators outside of Damon CJ on this roster right now. Baysmore is a secondary guy. So, um, yeah, it's we, we've talked about moves like this in the past four, right, Tara? The whole shuffling of deck chairs. I, I, I realistically think that's what this is. And in doing that, you can get more feng shui, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it, it can, it can get better by doing that. It's not always necessarily a bad thing. So we're uh, hoping Baysmore is the rug that really ties the room together. Yeah, exact. That's perfect. Perfect. Yes. Um, what do you, what do you in general uh, feel about Baysmore's fit with the team? It's okay. It's, it's, it's probably starter, makes, right. That, well, in theory, so. not, not necessarily in practice. He he's had some subpar years, but he's substantially more established than Evan or Mo, and I mean, or, or even Chief. Let's be honest. Enough that somebody will guard him. Is that what you're getting at? Yeah, there was. I, I threw one up uh, on Twitter when I was down in Mexico. Uh, I think Evan took 18 corner threes last year. Baysmore had like 120 or something along those lines. Yeah, so I mean, we've we kind of touched on the lack of corner three shooting in general by the team, and it seems yeah. like Baysmore's just generally more comfortable with that area. Yeah, I mean, Portland had, I mean, they they took the least amount in the in the league last year by a, a substantial margin. I mean, they got doubled up on on corner threes by the Rockets. I mean, I, I know the Rockets are you know Frankenstein with the the analytics, but. Um, so there's an opportunity there. So it opens things up for floor balance. I think you're going to see some some vastly different looks um, than what we saw last year when Portland can legitimately put five shooters on the floor without having to have three or four point guards out there. Like as fun as those Dame CJ Napier, Dame CJ um, Seth Curry lineups were, they were oh, something you can only go to for a few minutes because they just get eaten alive on the other end or, you know, the offense would kind of bog down and look a little bit weird because you got guys that are playing in positions that don't really make a ton of sense to them. So uh, the roster balancing here makes a ton of sense as far as swapping Evan for, for Bazemore. So in terms of, I mean, obviously Turner is one of a kind. There is nobody else out there. Oh, God. Evan Turner. And I think when he came to our team, we had no idea, like, what of what kind of a personality wise impact he was going to have on the team um, from what you know of Baysmore around the league. How do you feel like 
it seems to me everything I've learned about him, he's going to fit in great on this team chemistry wise, because that's one of the things that we've all talked about, you know, after having them all play together and how strong the locker room is, blah, blah, blah. You lost a lot of long tenured guys now. Right, exactly. And Bazemore seems like one of the ones who's going to be an easier fit. Like there, I don't feel like there's going to be a big adjustment. I listened to a podcast where he was on the road tripping podcast with mm-hmm. Richard Jefferson and Channing Fry. And he was with Richard Jefferson in um, Golden State. Golden State, and mm-hmm. they were yeah, it was actually his car that got popcorned. So they were mm-hmm. they were talking about that little episode, but it was really funny because the whole time, every time they started a conversation down one path, Bazemore would bring it back to like the game, and he'd be talking about like some specific play or whatever, and he just kept bringing it back to basketball. And Richard Jefferson kept saying, "We don't talk about basketball on this podcast," and. Bazemore just clearly is a guy who loves talking ball. And so I was kind of excited about that. Yeah, no, that's that's perfect because you think about a guy like Bazemore, he was unheralded coming out of school. He had to scrap claw and, and dig for everything he's got. So it, it makes sense. Um, personality wise, I asked around a couple guys around the league and I never I didn't get anything bad back about Baze. Uh I've heard he's an incredibly kind dude. Um and obviously just, his name is perfect. Because we can finally have Blazemore, which yeah. I've just been dying for for years. So. I mean, yeah, no, I mean, the, the local T-shirt makers have at it. I know, like, I'm kind of surprised I haven't seen any yet. I think I think they're waiting for him to have like a Stauskas game, oh. and then they'll, they'll drop you. <laughs> and then they'll tell it works. Exactly, that's how it works, Terry. You got to have time. You got to have this you plan. Mark moment. Exactly, you got to tie it to something so you can push it on social. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, like overall. Here's the crazy thing. He may be Portland's best perimeter defender on the roster right now. So that's a little I like I know we've talked about a lot of, over the last couple of months how the league's shifting hard to the offensive side and if it, if you can give me either above average offense or above average defense, give me the offense, but you you got to have somebody out there on the wing. So this is going to be tricky to see how Portland walks this tight rope on that side of the floor. Well, he seems willing to play it. Anyway, yes, you know, he seems to like That's he true. from what I've read of him, he, you know, identifies defense as something that he enjoys doing. So that's um that's that's a positive. Well, the Blazers have made so many changes that we have to move on in order to get through all of them, Yeah, which, OK, just sort of in general, were you expecting this much change? No, uh, I was expecting um, one for sure two most likely of the three. Um, I assumed or believe that Myers would probably be gone, but it was based on who Portland was going for um, as a big man. Um, Whether or not, if it was a vet minimum guy, then the Myers was going to stay. If it was somebody else, obviously like Whiteside, I had heard them linked to. Um, So obviously, you know, the money necessary to make that happen makes him included, but, those all made sense. And then Neil obviously did the um, his tried and true method of if you go once and don't land them, try again for the next six. Try again for the next six years. With, well, uh, he's guys. focused. Yeah, he's <laughs> lasered can. in. So uh, so the next one that we'll talk about while you were gone, there was a little debate on whether or not saying that Rodney Hood uh, stayed. Is, is that a new move or is that a, is he an old player? I look at it as a new move because it could have he could have just walked away um, and he barely got his feet under him, I think, with this team. So 
I think you mentioned that you were surprised by the hood signing. Yeah, no, I, I legitimately was. And if anybody says that they knew that hood would take less, you're a liar or you're Jason quick. I mean, there were, there weren't a whole lot of people around the league who, who oh, truly just call our listeners liars, <laughs> Dan. I'm just saying there there was not a lot of people around the league who believed that that Hood would take what Portland had to offer. Every reason to command a yes, yes. I had heard from 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 multiple people around the league that that demand for Hood was higher than what Portland's monetary value would suggest he would take. So looking forward to a whole year, Rodney Hood. Yes, exactly. That's perfect because with a player option. I legitimately think it's going to be a year and then he's going to want some money. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, hood is probably your likely starter on day one. Dame CJ hood. Um, I guess there's an outside chance of Baysmore, but God, that makes Portland really small. Um, because Bays is listed at six, five and he's probably six, four and Dame's six, one and CJ six, three. So, you're you're looking at don't get me wrong portland has some super size on the other end with two seven footers but uh well zach seven foot white side's probably about six ten so um but yeah so hood i i hope he he lives up to the billing i hope we get um denver series rodney hood and not okc series rodney hood but regardless the price is good i mean right um he knows the system um he knows the culture, so I guess you know he's gonna be able to integrate a little bit faster probably than the other guys, or, or he's already integrated, uh, if you want to call it that. Um, he genuinely wants to be here. Mm-hmm. I think that can't be sold enough. Uh, unlike Seth Curry, who didn't want to be here, didn't enjoy his time here. He so, didn't. no, I heard didn't, that. From, I didn't heard know that he didn't people. enjoy his time here. Yeah, he just kind of took it as a business opportunity and then was happy to, you know, go get money back in Dallas. So, I mean, uh, even if he, you know, didn't love it, he certainly like didn't bring the place down. No, no, he he showed up. (laughs) He seemed perfectly fine to be here. I I don't begrudge him one bit. You know, like how many people out there, how many times, how many places have you worked at, Tara, where you're just like, yeah, it's it's a check. This is ultimately where I want to be. Nothing wrong with that. Right. Well, uh, and we all knew that he was coming off of a year of injury, and he was this, this was his get right year, and yeah, this that he was going to get paid. So yeah, rehabbing yeah. for money, and I, I don't begrudge them one bit. And the, on that subject, I do, I will never, ever, ever, ever ask a guy for a team that I cover or that I, I I'm a fan of. I will never be like, I hope this guy takes less money. Never. I want these guys. They have a limited earning window. Go get all the money you can. Right. But when they do like, take it, yeah. I, I am all for it. I, I'm listen. If if, if you in, are comfortable enough financially and you believe that your situation warrants it, and you just want to be somewhere, by all means, do the damn thing uh, and it, make it easy for them. Do you think looking at it a year on that Nurkic took less? I mean, that yeah, seems I'm, like a really reasonable contract. And then after he what he went out and did for the you know. It feels like the Blazers could have paid a lot more for him. <laughs> I think Nurkic is one of the ten best contracts in the NBA for a non-superstar, non-rookie player, or non-rookie player. Like you know, the guys Someone who's between. on a second contract. Yeah, yeah, I think it's one of one of the ten best contracts in the league right now. So if that gives you any, any indication. Um, Hood certainly. He. What have we talked about really a lot all over the last couple of years, Tara? The idea of players outperforming their contractual value, right? Mm-hmm. 
post all-star break, you had Cantor, you had hood, you had these guys coming out there who were vastly outperforming their contracts on an obscene level because they're, they're buyout candidates, they're trade candidates. Right. So it was always iffy how Portland was going to be able to, to replicate that. Right. By hood taking that, that amount, they give themselves another candidate for a guy to vastly overplay or over overplay expectations for his salary level. So and that's a that's good a point because they have quite a few guys at the higher end of this pay scale right now. Yeah, I mean, James, <laughs> CJ, and Nurk are, are your guys who are, are taking up your contract space right now. Well, and baseball and and Whiteside. <laughs> well, yeah. for the rest of the year, anyway. Those guys, but I mean, like Portland needed to restock that, and we'll, we'll talk about. Nasir obviously being a part of that and, and Anthony Simons and Zach being a part of that. I think that I think those salary implications are just as important as the ones at the top end right now. Like they need to sort out everything behind those guys to make it make sense. Well, let's move on and talk about a player who outperformed his contract, in my opinion, and has moved on. That's Aminu. I don't think I'm gonna guess you weren't. Get surprised. your back. No. <laughs> I mean, it makes it makes it with all these guys who uh, either were traded or who moved on. They all make sense to me because none of them are, I don't think, like what the Blazers look at as their mid to long term future. So I was just kind of had taken off guard by how many of them all came up at once, you know? It was just yeah. like, oh, no, again. Okay, there's a lot of change happening. <laughs> and like, we, we, we talked offline I, I about how there was likely to be in the, you know, in the coming weeks that some of the guys that we've been watching the last few years were, were likely gone. Uh, but to see that many go in the span of a couple of days, I think was a little like, whoa, wow, this yeah. is going to be <laughs> vastly different next year. Well, especially because we were all set up to not expect fireworks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw that tweet from uh, was it quick about Neil? Well, were you yeah. gone before his press conference where he told everybody? Well, and what he strictly said, I believe, was don't expect a lot of fireworks yeah, during free agency. Gone. They were going to make all the trade uh, every all the activity was going to take place during trades. But it was the fireworks part that stuck in everybody's head. And so it was like, oh, my God, there's so much happening. What are you saying? There's no fireworks. I I felt like there were fireworks. Yeah. He, no. he really was like, there's not going to be any in free agency. But yeah, unless you want to say anything else about Aminu, I think that one kind of. No, I mean. I don't think there's a lot to say about that one. No, good for him. Go to, you know, to going from Portland to Orlando, geographically, not a bad swap. Um and he's actually making more on this contract. He's basically yeah. got a three thirty, making ten a year in a tax haven in Florida. So it's like, I mean, it's not it's not all bad for the guy, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, and you know, he 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 did his thing while he was here, and you know, always showed up, always worked, never complained about Chief. You you can't ask more from a free agent, man. Like I'm 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 all I'm all for those guys, and I, I wish him nothing but the best of luck. I wish nothing but these guys the best of luck. I hope that things right. go well for him, just not when they play Portland. Yeah, it's great when there's like not anyone that you would wish um, not well. <laughs> there's no Ray Feltz, right? Exactly. So um, for the second time, the Blazers actually did this time <laughs> uh, get a Woj bomb about Mario Hazonja. <laughs> This time it was correct. Um, what do you think about Hazonia? One of the things that I was surprised about is I did not realize that he was as young 
as he is. He's only 24 right now. He's a child. He came overseas as a kid. It's and it, What's crazy is you want to talk about how wild the NBA is, Tara. This is a guy who uh, Portland offered a contract to last for agency, and I believe the difference between what Portland offered and what the Knicks had to offer was like 250000 Oh, very uh, little. Yeah, no, it was, it was very tight. Um, if I remember the numbers correctly. Um, but like, yeah, it was money hurt Portland on five different guys last year mm-hmm. and they were all the same kind of player. Um, they all got more money. Well, now this year's Hazonia has got to take a vet min cause he decided, you know what? I think the Knicks are really going to turn it around <laughs> and boy, did that not work out for him? Mm-hmm. Well, so I I'm really puzzled about him and I asked the this of um you know Steve and Cassidy and mm-hmm. Nate when I talked to them. I'm confused about what position Hazonia plays. What he's, do you think that he's going to be playing? So I've seen some people allude to it on Twitter. He's going to be kind of like ET. Okay. So you do think that he's going to be doing some ball handling because when they did Second finally day. let him do that, you know, he was he, showed he was problems. able to do some stuff. Yes, he showed his ability to create um, he's, he's got some natural European passing flair. Okay. Um, well, that'll be fun. Yo, no, his is going to be fun. Bare minimum. He's going to be fun. He talks a ton of junk, which is oh, really, great. Oh yeah. No, he's, he, he is Evan Turner in the locker room. hundred percent. He will be the one giving us the quotes. He will be the one talking the trash. He will be the one, he, he's he will the one who blocked LeBron. Yes. He is a meme <laughs> waiting to happen. He, and he, he, I, I want him and Nurk to be on the floor at the same time and just endlessly troll opponents. The, the amount of technical fouls that those two could just, just rack up nightly together, just screwing with opponents endlessly. Well, and we'll throw Zach s- Collins in that mix too, because yeah. he likes to kind of get in it. Yeah, no, they, it <laughs> they, they have an all irritating jerk squad that they can throw out there. And it's just, it's going to be glorious. Cause you know me, I've been wanting a, a guy like this for a while. And even then he's, He's not even like that high of a level on it, but Portland's just been missing that. And I think if you combination it with or combine it with Nurk and you combine it with Zach, then they've got one real jerk and it's going to be great. Um, (laughs) Is it too soon to guess whether or not you think he's really going to play very much? Do you feel like he's going to be a pretty solid part of the rotation? I mean, Neil said that, you know, he expects him to contribute immediately. And this is before they treated Jake, which is kind of like, well, I guess Jake's gone. Uh (laughs) Because those words, I believe he'll contribute immediately, were not spoken about Nick Stauskas when he was signed as a vet minimum, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, so that was a little bit surprising. Uh, Honestly, I think they're going to toy with the idea of Hazonia playing power forward. I I think they're going to give it a shot. Yeah, because, I mean, Tolliver's not really that much bigger. So if you're talking about a defensive purposes that – I don't think there's a huge difference between the two. Um, it's the, the the obviously the big difference between Tolliver and and, and Hazonia right now is the three point shooting. Hazonia is a guy who is very much Luke Babbitt in that his jumper looks nice, but you're wondering if it's ever going to actually fall. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, hopefully, Especially please God. Three. <laughs> yeah, uh, Terry Stotts has already sprinkled his magic three point dust uh, on Hazonia, and he gets a bump to like thirty seven percent. So even if he doesn't shoot much if he can sort of replicate Turner's secondary ball handling with a few more shots because yes. eventually Turner just stopped shooting. Yeah, no, no. no. We don't want that. Still, <laughs> like it, he's not a real 
consistent threat. I think he's like a cause career 32, 33 yeah, shooter. Not a high three-point Yeah, but if he's at least a modicum of a threat, which with Mo and Evan, they were like, nah, fam, I'm not shooting this. Mm-hmm. I think that is enough to where if he relocates on a drive and kick to a corner, you could get some good looks out of him. And it's just a little bit more. Again, again, we're talking about rearranging deck chairs, right? Mm-hmm. If you can get better in areas that you were not just like, and they were, they were atrocious. They were a train wreck corner, three point shooting team. They were literally the worst in the league. So if you can get minor improvements in areas where you were have major inefficiencies, those could pay off quite a bit, especially when it, the cost is nothing in the, in the sense of his he's a vet minimum contract. Well, and I don't know how much this makes a difference, but it's like one more calculation that defender has to make, you know, cause it's like, if it's, well, if it's easy to calc, you know, to scout the blazers and say, Oh, just don't worry about the corner threes. That's just like one calculation that the other team doesn't have to you make. Can when they're in, the team. You can give yourself a step. Like it, it sounds so just quaint to say it like this, but literally one or two steps is massive in the NBA. That's a the difference between a contested look and an open look. And if you know that you can give two steps to Evan Turner because you just don't care, you do not care if he takes and makes a three because the likelihood of it, you know, happening or slim to none. He's gonna he's gonna catch it and he's gonna nah I'm not passing or I'm not shooting. With Hazonia, you you've got to keep that finger out there like. God, he's good enough to be able to attack off the bounce or pull this. I gotta, I gotta give him that room. Now, let's take Simon. Simon's, for example, has the ability to get that hezzy, that little pullback, that snatch back. Did you see that the clip from uh, the Blazers on Twitter today? Nope. Uh, it was Simon's uh, catching, uh, taking the rebound off the rim and going the other way. He had a little right to left behind the back step back jumper that just like, whoof, wah, love the kid. <laughs> He, you love Simon so he, much. He, he, I do. I just it's just his ability to create shots is fun. But with his own out there with the second unit, as opposed to Evan, or as opposed to Mo, or even Chief when he had the, his off nights, that one or two steps can be huge. Uh, and I'm not trying. I'm not trying to oversell Hazonia. Hazonia has plenty of holes in his game. His inconsistency uh, as a shooter is definitely there. And for a guy. You know, he, he talked up his size as you know, he says he's 6'9, 240 now, which lol. <laughs> no, no, come on, you're 240. Uh, I'm not, not quite believing that yet, but hey, cool. So, it, it let, let's see how it plays out. But I think it's a I've served, I've seen some people write it as a high ri- or a high reward, low risk move. I don't know if I'd go so far as to call it a high reward. I think there's there's value to be found. Does that make does that well? Does that yeah, fair? We, he could end up just like you were just saying as somebody who is outperforming his contract because yes. when you look at who he was playing with and who he was being coached by and the organizations that he's been with his career. So he was in Orlando, right, and then he was in the Knicks. Well, so, <laughs> uh, you know, at that at that veterans minimum, I think it's a real good possibility that, you know, he could pretty quickly uh, outplay his contract. Let's go to our other veteran minimum, Anthony, um, uh, Anthony Tolliver. Now I call all Am- Anthony. 
everybody Anthony. Everybody's Anthony now. <laughs> everybody's Anthony now. Anthony Tolliver. This is mm-hmm. the first time in a long time Blazers have had somebody over thirty on their roster. Yeah, he, he's thirty-four. <laughs> mm-hmm. Is he a guy like like Crawford or JJ Redick or just somebody who's just like an instant bucket? Is that basically? Yeah, I mean, his 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 purpose he's in been life. His whole life. <laughs> yeah, no, he's a shooter. I mean, that's realistically when he had his cup of coffee with the Blazers, like what ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it was because there's a yeah, but it was his propensity as a shooter. Um, nobody ever convinced you know believed he was he was more than that. But like we've seen with a million guys in the league, if you can just be passable defensively and not be a jerk in the locker room, if you can hit threes, you can stay in the league forever. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's just it's it's the, it's the magic fairy dust you just sprinkle on. To the, hey, I can shoot threes, and GMs will pop out of the woodwork like, "Oh, I got a contract for you." I mean, it's just <laughs> that's just how it goes. Um, but yeah, it's, it's nice that they'll have the veteran sage in the locker room. Uh, he'll he'll definitely be the guy that you know uh, turns down the music after a loss. <laughs> hey guys, we need to, we need to lock it in. Um, but you know, no, I, I it's it's a low risk. Probably low reward move, but those are you need some safe, safe uh, guys on your roster that you can throw out there and you should not worry about them, right? Like, hey, he, he knows what to do. Well, so who are some of the players that are up and comers, guys who are still on the roster, I guess, you know, from last season who he, you know, could really help along and be like a mentor for? Do you see him playing that kind of a role? Because, I mean, I, I don't really think they need the Sage because that's what Damien does. Like, Damien sets the tone for everything. But I also think that sometimes a little individual attention can really help you know what? players develop. His, I mean, he's been around. He's played on a lot of teams. He's been in good situations, bad situations. He's a guy that, you know, if he's got his head right and, and for what it sounds like he does, you know, taking care of the young kids. There's there's a lot of dudes out there. Listen, Dane's been in the league a while. Tolliver's been everywhere. Like he's he's been on he's seen he's, some stuff. Yeah, I mean he's been on really bad teams. He's been on good teams. He's he's played with a lot of different guys. Like he just he's the kind of guy where like you could just pick his brain on a lot of things, and he could probably help the young guys out. And, and in that sense, I think it's it's a good it's a good thing to have a guy with a lot of experience. And I'm not discounting Dane's experience. It's just what Tolliver has is I think is a little bit different, and it spans a little bit more time. I can see that. I hadn't thought about it in terms of him having seen like lots of other ways things are done. Mm-hmm. You know, Dame really only knows one the Stotts way. Yeah. Right. And so having somebody who can come and like Turner was kind of like that in that he could talk about how things were in Boston. You could talk about that like crazy half season that he had in Indiana. Mm-hmm. You know, he could talk about a lot of different things that he had been through. And so, yeah, I can see how Tolliver could have some really interesting perspectives like that. Yeah, I mean, he's played for like, I think legitimately like 10 teams. Yeah. yeah yes. That. Yeah. 10 teams. Mm-hmm. That's that's insane. Anything else you want to touch on on Tolliver before we move on to the big one? No, I mean, it's, yeah, it's nice. Just, it's nice to see him add some some consistent shooting without having really sacrifice anything, right? It's just having a guy you can be like, hey, Anthony, shooter, go. You know, just having shooting coming off your bench is just something that Portland hasn't been like. You know, Stotts looks over and kind of like bites his nails, like. Well, they had Curry. Yeah, but I mean, it, t- it took Seth three, four months to really round into form. And even then, like, I, I think Stotts in the back of his head is like, eh, well, 
Okay. Sure, guess, Seth, go on. Uh, Tolliver can be my Wayne Ellington because every year I always yes. dream of Wayne Ellington That's, and we never get him. So <laughs> that was exactly it's exactly it. <laughs> he can he can fulfill that role. Okay. So the one that I think is most game changing in terms of the culture anyway. Yep. Uh Whiteside, Hassan Whiteside is now a blazer traded for Myers Leonard and Mo Harkless, who Myers Leonard, as everyone probably knows and remembers, drafted the same year as Damien. And Harkless was uh this was his fourth year. He just completed his fourth year, I believe. Yep. So those are some longtime guys. Again, don't seem like they were part of the long-term future of the Blazers, but critical to the last several years. Um, traded for Hassan Whiteside, who, of course, the Blazers had courted in the summer of 2016. He chose to stay in Miami in one of my favorite Instagram Snapchat um, announcements. I love that. <laughs> it was so good. Because he, he was like, I'm going to stay in Miami. And then he, like, walked out the door. Just like I, <laughs> I was like, what? I'm good. That makes no sense. It was like in his apartment and he was like on his couch and his cousin or somebody's interviewing him. And he's like, what are you going to do? And he's like, I've decided I'm going to stay in Miami. And then he gets up and he walks out the door. He's gone. Right. So I was like, all right. So he walked, apparently he's walked all across the, all the way across the country. And now he's arrived in Portland. And now he's got shooters. We got shooters. What to make, what to make of this? Okay. So I'm going to be Debbie Downer first. So for everybody. You know, it's, I, I think this hasn't really been said enough. Um, the Listen, I, I think Whiteside has potential, certainly. But when you're talking about trading players, and if Portland did get significantly better, which I've seen just screamed at, at ad nauseum over the last couple of days, that if Portland got significantly better, that, that this is the, the move that really puts them in place to totally be just as good as they are with Nurk and maybe even better, his rebounding numbers, his block numbers. Do you think, Tara, that in the NBA, a player that is that game-changing is available for two expiring contracts who were guys that nobody wanted to touch the last two-plus years? Like, Is that what you think game-changing players are available for? No. No, that's not the case. There are certainly warts within Whiteside's game. Certainly. And his contract, here's like this, there's just two different parts of it, the basketball part of it and the contract part of it, right? They took two deals that are relatively movable, right? Two ten million plus deals in Harkless and Leonard, and changed them for a twenty-seven million dollar deal. Now, you could believe that that's the right thing to do, that it's you just it's one player, so it may be easier to swing that, but also, the flip side of that is if you don't do something with it, it's going to look pretty terrible come, you know, 2020, 2021. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm kind of ambivalent towards the deal. I think it has potential to be good. Uh, we'll, we'll hit on culture because we, 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 we've got to make sure we do that. Um, friend of Damon CJ's, particularly CJ. Like if you're looking for the the positive spin on this, um, that's got to help. That I mean, really, realistically, it does. Mm-hmm. No, no? You, you, what, you, so, you sound like you want to say something. <laughs> no, <laughs> I mean, I've thought a lot about Whiteside, and I think he, you know, in Miami wasn't the player that the Portland originally wanted to, you know. He, 
uh, contract your white side was a thing. And one of the things that I said this, you know, last on the last podcast is like, I forget how old white side is that he's 30. He's been around for a long time and he's, mm-hmm. you know, he's, it's taken a while for him to get where he took him a while to get that big contract. Yes. And so he clearly had to put in the work and it appears that he's at his best, you know, when he is with people who can help him be his best. And, you know, I see that more likely to happen in Portland because he is not going to be the guy. He doesn't, he will never be the guy in Portland. And he has a very specific and clear role to fill, fill in for Nurkic, be big and get rebounds. Cause before Mm -hmm. they signed Whiteside, I was freaking out because basically all the rebounds walked out the door. Yeah, no, that's a big part of it. Turner and Aminu, um, you know, uh, they're they're just, I was like, who's going to (laughs) be, who's going to be rebounding? So they, you know, they have rebounding now. And I think for, I mean, he's a stopgap. It's a somebody Mm -hmm. who's going to come in for, to take the place of Nurkic. What I'm curious about what's going to happen is if Nurkic is really ready to go at all-star break or the midpoint of the year, at the point where people will look and see if they're going to trade Whiteside. I'm really curious to see, you know, if anybody else would be interested in, uh, in taking him on. Um, But the thing that I've been worrying about neck now, like rebounds, I think are covered. But who's going to set screens? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be Whiteside. Cause because like, he's not he's not like the screener that Myers Leonard was, or obviously that Nurkic was. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Nurk and Myers are two of the best screen setters in the league right now. Right. Like, like, like legitimately. So. And like, there's so much screening that happens in Stoss's offense. And mm-hmm. so, you know, now we're looking at Zach Collins, who has, you know, gotten better every year, but he's not as wide and broad and stable as those other guys who have a lot of pounds on him. Um, you know, Aminu could set screens, Turner could set screens, who like it's it's Collins and Whiteside. <laughs> just Whiteside. It's just <laughs> Collins will Collins will get better. I have confidence that he will uh, he will get bigger. He will get better. He will get more solid. He'll get it right. And he's just he's going to have to be like he's going to have to be involved in screens. So you're just going to have to live with it. Like they're not going to not put him in screens. Oh, yeah. No, it's just he's he's has a long way to go there. I, I, I hope he, he figures that out because it'll help Portland tremendously. Well, I, that just seems like the the biggest glaring um deficiency after all of this turnover yes and um, forgive me i am trying to reload my uh my spreadsheet here because i actually training yeah i actually i actually did have um this sorted by possessions come on synergy be less difficult um anyways the white side ran um 180 or so pick and rolls uh, possessions as the, as the big. So he's used to it in the sense of like, he gets a fair amount of volume, so to speak. Um, for reference, 
Uh, Whiteside at Hunter. Stats for how many times people fall down when they run into the screener. I want that. Yeah, yeah, because Myers <laughs> would probably, on a percentage basis, lead the league in pancake blocks. Um, Whiteside is he's he's less of the Myers Nurkic. I'm going to screen your brains out of your skull screeners, and is a little trickier. Uh, in essence, of he's a dirty moving screen setter. <laughs> Um, he's much more Al Horford esque where he knows how to turn his hips and seal and get you on the wrong side. Um, here we go. I finally have to load up. So for, let's come go comparison's sake. Montrez Harrell had 278 possessions in the pick and rolls as the role man. Rudy Gobert had 272. Um, That's almost a hundred more. Yeah. So if you're looking for something a little bit more comparable, John Nurkic? Collins, because they played the same number. Uh, I think they played about the same number of games. Um, let me pull it up here. The old big fella. Just because, uh, I mean, I, uh, the reason I'm harping on it is because it's such an important part of the Blazers yeah. offense. I mean, the Blazers would have to shift to a pretty significantly different, uh, offense and go much more DHO as opposed to pick and roll. Um, so yeah, Nurk had a hundred more possessions. Mm-hmm. So a hundred more possessions or you more screens. No possessions, which means sig- probably significantly more screens. Um, so, yeah, I mean, at a, at a, as a percentage basis, it, it counted for about twenty-five percent of Nurks, twenty uh, percent for Whiteside. So, there's going to be some change there, and some of that could just be philosophy with Miami. Certainly, um, the 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 thing to consider here is remember we talked about like how will Cantor fit in filling in for Nurkic because Nurkic works as that you know secondary or, or third. Uh, Playmaker and working out of the high post. Um, Remember how we were like, man, Cantor's a black hole. Well, turned out that he had more skills than that than we thought. Not just that, but like he's a black hole, but there's levels to black holes. Hassan Whiteside, as on like a a percentage basis, is perhaps the biggest black hole in the history of the modern NBA. Like he, it's it's truly remarkable. Yeah, like it's it's entirely staggering. I need to pull up the assist totals. He so has just to clarify what you mean by assists. black hole. And this it, being a black hole is not necessarily a bad thing. If I told you that Wes Matthews was a black hole, would you think I'd be like, oh, God, he must hate Wes? No, it, it's not that. Wes was just a play ender. Like if, if Wes is ending up with a ball on the shot clock, like late in the clock, post 12 seconds, it was because he was getting a good look for three. Mm-hmm. Whiteside is not necessarily that kind of black hole. It's uh, if he posts up, just go ahead and work back the other way because the ball's not coming back out. Um, he he has more games played. Could that be because of who? He, sorry, no. It's it's just it's just who he is. I mean, his entire his career high for assists in the season is fifty seven, less than one a game. So. <laughs> it's 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 a real problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's something to consider when you're talking about how he how well he's going to fit. Listen, I I am all all ears, and I am entirely hopeful that playing with his friend in a situation where he's got some better floor balance in a winning situation, um, in a contract year, all of those things come together and inspire him to move the ball to on the defensive side of things, decide that, Hey, maybe I should play defense because there's a big breakdown between getting blocks and actually playing defense. And as we talked about earlier, Portland's perimeter defense is shaky, um, right now. Right. 
I, I think they're probably unfairly putting uh, Collins in a position to maybe have to play a little above his head um, because having to cover up for the perimeter guys and at times Whiteside seems an awful lot to ask of your third year guy who you're asking probably to start for the first time. Um, so I'd like to hear your best case scenario with how Hassan Whiteside and Zach Collins could could play right. Could yeah, no, could work together. Could pull, could work together. Um, you're going to have a lot of alligator arms. There's a lot of guys who would probably be who are going to be worrying about what are shot blocking. Arms? You, 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 your arms get short because you, you you pull back because you're afraid of getting your shot sent into the 13th row. Because don't get me wrong, but as far as this this is probably Portland's best shot blocking tandem since Sabonis and and Sheed. Like it's. Okay. They have legitimate rim protection as shot blockers between Whiteside and, and Zach. Zach is going to be the one who's going to be always engaged. Um, the problem here with these two is that they're probably both really over aggressive. Um, so optimally, they play off each other. They get their timing down. Worst case scenario, they kind of get caught chasing blocks because they're shot blockers. It's kind of in their nature. Um, and either they give up an early or an easy shot or the probably the worst issue is they get in foul trouble. Both Zach and Whiteside, obviously both prone to foul trouble. So um, learning how to play off of each other and figure that part of it out, uh, I think, is going to be huge for them early on. Um, but if we're talking about optimization, a lot of guys aren't going to want to come inside because you have two guys who right. legitimately have shot blocking instincts and timing. That uh, you just don't want to challenge because Whiteside's a big boy. I mean, size-wise, it's like there's between a, you know a, a, a longer, skinnier kid like Zach coming over and sending your shot out. You have to worry about him as a shot blocker. With Whiteside and or Nurkic, you you got these guys that are just monster human beings. Not only when they send your shot out, they're going to run you over in midair and probably get away with it. <laughs> so. Um, those guys figuring out the timing early on, I think is going to be really important for the defensive side of things. So, I mean, Zach, I have found, and I think you would probably agree is, you know, a cape is pretty capable at moving back and forth, you know, between the uh, basket and the perimeter. We don't, oh, yeah, no, no, just yeah, no, be, you know, so, you know, so teamed up with white side you know, it's not it like well either of them can, you know, can do that. I'm wondering now that you're talking about, you know, Zach and a pairing with a center, do you see any similarities between Ed Davis's game and Hassan Whiteside's? I mean, yeah. I mean, when, when let's think about it offensively and Zach defensively. got real used to that pairing. Yeah, I mean, offensively and defensively. And, and on the offensive side of things, if this is going to be the lineup – you're probably going to have to see Zach forced out of the paint because um, as limited, quote unquote, as Cantor was offensively um, with his offensive game being within, you know, basically 10 feet, uh, Whiteside's within six feet. <laughs> like it's there's there's no as was Ed Davis's. Yes. And it's, a, it's what brought me back to that was like the comparison between Ed Davis and much like Ed. And I, you have to do this with all big men who work who work hard, right? Because listen, we may criticize Whiteside's uh, defensive consistency, but the dude is a rebounding machine. Mm-hmm. He's he's hungry, hungry hippo. Nom 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 nom. Ed's the same way. And with those guys, you you have to throw him a post up every now and then. Ed was a black hole too. 
if you threw Ed Davis a post up, that ball is not coming back out because he knew that he was only going to get that opportunity twice a game, right? <laughs> um, with Whiteside, it's one of those things like, hey, I'm doing the dirt. It, it's kind of the old school big man mentality. Uh, Shaq had it. Sabonis had it. Dwight Howard had it. Like, hey, I- I'm busting my butt down here, boxing out all game, punching guys in the face, grabbing rebounds, blocking shots because you're too stupid to go over the screen or go under the screen. I'm going to go ahead and get mine right now. And whether you agree or not, that's something that just is prevalent among traditional big men. And that doesn't necessarily bother me about Whiteside, but I think what it means for Zach is Zach's going to have to take a little bit, I think, from Myers, a little bit from Nurkic. Um, One thing those guys, I think, don't get enough credit for is their ability to pass. And we saw from Zach a little bit towards the end of the season, some interior passing. It was like, oh. That was a nice look, Zach. So seeing him stretch the defense out, knock down a three, and open up some space for Whiteside, you could actually have a legitimate four-out offense. That's your optimal idea, I think, on the offensive side. Defensively, Whiteside can cover above the paint, but you don't want him to. Um, Zach obviously can. Uh, It's going to be interesting to see what changes, if any, Portland does to their defense because they're probably going to lose a little bit of length. Um, well, length isn't the right word. Defensive length as far as like impactful length. from Like range? It, yeah, Aminu and Harkless. Even though Zach's bigger, uh, Aminu and Harkless both move uh, better than, than Zach or than, and Hood defensively. So like the impactful length possession to possession uh, is going to be a little bit interesting to see how that kind of works out but if they do figure it out they do get more size by having zach at the four obviously you know what we're also going to see a lot more of that i like what's that dunks yeah no Whiteside had like 160 dunks on him by himself last season okay but here's something else that was stressing me out because he loves those dunks and alley-oops but that's not something the dame loves to throw yeah no i used to be turner who threw those (laughs) Yeah, like, I, oh. think, I think it was our own Eric Griffin who was talking about um, Dame not having anybody to throw lobs to for the last couple of years. And I'm like, yeah, well, that's true. Thinking who, but Dame doesn't throw lobs. Yeah, but it was like, he's, he's like, they really had somebody to throw it to. And I'm like, well, that's not entirely true. Jake Lehman, Pat Connaughton, Myers Leonard. Oh, God, it was the white guys. Um, <laughs> I mean, Bo. I mean, they, they, there, was, there were guys that were. I think part of it was those guys that are capable of, they didn't get a lot of opportunities, but also when they did run backdoor and they didn't get it enough times, I think they maybe stopped looking for them quite as much. And we've talked about that a bunch on the pod over the last couple of years, like Dame and CJ's just unwilling to to throw lobs at times to guys who you're just like, that's, that's an easy lob. Find it. So that'll uh, be one of those things coming right out of the gate that we're going to want high, uh, Whiteside yeah. to catch those right at the beginning so that they he keeps getting them. <laughs> yeah, he, he's got he's got to tr- just like like bite his lip when Dame throws one that's like nowhere near and he's got to find a way to to get it and still pack it. And be like, "Ah, no big deal, fam. I got you." Just so Dame keeps throwing it. You know, get that positive reinforcement behind it. So, I want to close with Jake, but before we move on to Jake, there's one more player that so we've talked, you know, quite a bit over the last several weeks about Anthony Simons, especially since that, you know, final game of the season and how it looks like they're really preparing to have him, you know, come in and handle the ball a lot. 
We haven't heard so much about Gary Trent Jr. And I'm <laughs> wondering if you have any thoughts about that. Do you think it's maybe just going to like we're going to have to see what happens at Summer League because we just really don't know where he is in, in so far as like, you know, his development out of his rookie year. What are your thoughts or what do you know about any of that? Honestly, I'm really looking forward to seeing what Gary shows here. Um, I think he's another guy, like if you're talking about a candidate prime to outperform a contract, he's a guy like I don't think can will be huge in the rotation, but I think he's a guy that could come out of nowhere and be like, oh, crap, you know, Gary can play. When he got a few runs down the G League, he was mm-hmm. lights out as a shooter. I mean, it was he was putting up like like video game on easy mode yeah. numbers, and it was like, oh, okay, he's, he's just cooking down there. So the, the confidence was appearing. That's that's nice to see. Um, the other side of it is, like, Portland's not really married to anybody beyond CJ and Dame, but the guard spots besides Simons, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, if he gets hot and he rides a couple weeks, it's I don't think it's crazy to think that he could be a guy that they go, yeah, you know what? We're going to stick with him and – now you free up some money going to the next year and, and things go well. I, I think that's something Portland's going to have to look take a look at. And honestly, outside of Anthony at Summer League tomorrow or Saturday, um, Gary's the, the guy that I'm most interested in because I don't think Nasir's going to have an impact quite right away um, just because offensively Portland is, I think, kind of set there and they'd rather deal with or they'd rather have the shooters out there with consistency than the rookie and it's dots. So, well, and it seems like there's a real opportunity for Scal here, too. Yes. Oh, yeah. 100%. Um, what is he going to have to show? I mean, does, does it matter how he does it at Summer League? Maybe, I mean, because sometimes big he's guys. He's got to show confidence. They don't, they don't get the opportunity. Yeah. But I mean, you saw today at, at you know pre earthquake, Dan- Daniel Gafford went out there and had like what twenty one and twelve, just by running the floor and being impactful. And I think that kind of thing like would obviously shows confidence. We 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 talk about Anthony's thirty seven against Sacramento, but let's not forget Scallop balled his freaking yeah. ball off. He had twenty nine, I think. He had, a, he had like a turnaround step back fadeaway three at the shot clock that looked like it was you know shot by Dame. It was like. You're seven foot tall, dude. That's not supposed to look that silky smooth coming out of your hands. Um, I think he's going to show that the, the the coaching staff that he's a a capable player, right? Like if he can go out there and if he can stretch the floor offensively, like at all, like a 15 foot jumper, um, he can rebound and show that he's not going to get ruined defensively. Then I think he's going to have plenty of opportunity because realistically, Hassan Whiteside and Zach Collins are going to get in foul trouble. Mm-hmm. Like they, they, they're just two guys that just they're a walking foul and they're going to, they're going to find a way to get into it. Um, whether it's, you know, an offensive foul or a defensive foul, they're just, they're just, they're just those kind of players. There's well, nothing wrong. They're with just that. so thin in the <laughs> in yeah. the front court because otherwise it's Tolliver and then who? So yeah, maybe we should have spent more time talking about Scal. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. So, the big takeaway for me between all these changes, we talk about the deck chairs, but I think there's a lot of opportunity right now. Um, and that could bode well for, I think a lot of people are looking at this and, and all they're seeing is a positive, which it's the off season. So why not? But I think there's also a, a serious chance that, that Portland falls back here. Um, when was the last time you saw a Western conference finals participant have this kind of changeover and have, I there, feel like it has happened. No, you know, it, it does. But I mean, these, this is, pretty much everything beyond Portland's, you know, one, two guys. 
uh, being changed out. I mean, that's no, no, it's a, it's a staggering amount of of change. And like I said, I can understand the reasoning behind every one of them. hundred percent. But it's just like seeing them all happen all at once. It's like, oh, that was more than I thought. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it all kind of plays out together, right? It's I, I'm really excited for the opportunity to guys like Simons, um, to Trent, to Nasir if it's there, uh, to Rodney to 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 for him to like fall in love with basketball again because man, the dude just hated Cleveland, which I mean, it makes sense, it's Cleveland. <laughs> um, I'm sure there's some lovely parts of Cleveland. I'm sure if there's not, but <laughs> to everybody listening in Cleveland, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> Dan, I do, and I would like you to not treat our listeners like that. I'm but, sure that someday if we ever get a chance to go to Cleveland, we'll be like, oh, that's a lovely park. Or look at this great restaurant or something. I'm sure there's good stuff in Cleveland. Just hate Cleveland until I die just for no real reason. Um <laughs> But uh, that's I your mean, brand. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of opportunity. Zach is going to probably start at the four. Mm-hmm. Like that's a real opportunity. Son Whiteside's in a contract here. Like that's a real opportunity. Um, Baysmore uh, and Blazers getting a chance to get a wing player. that's maybe a bit more impactful for their system. That's a real opportunity. So uh, I think that's the thing that really excites me about this season is how much is wide open and how much opportunity there is because it's, it's a stark difference between what we've had for the past four plus years where it was just the same thing with minor tweaks, minor tweaks, minor tweaks. And I'm like, thank God for giving me something different. So give me, give me opportunity. Give me that, you know, from the team building perspective, Tara, like the whole idea of like building towards something. Now mm-hmm. you've got the young guys that are there behind the, the current crop. Like you're getting that mix right and you're building towards something. And that's that's got me legitimately excited for this season. Um, it doesn't mean I think they're better. It doesn't mean I think they're worse. I just think it, there's a real air of excitement for the first time in a while, which is pretty insane when you think about a team coming off the Western Conference Finals that had this much change. Well, it's, you know, it's excitement that's like, because things are wide open as opposed to, okay, it's that time of year where Blazers are starting up again and we're going to get excited because we always are. <laughs> this is like exciting because it's like, oh, what's going to happen? Like, yeah. we don't even know who's going to be in the starting lineup. You know, it's, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of possibilities. So, yeah, no, that's, it, it, that's perfect because I mean, outside of Dame, CJ, and, and really Whiteside right now, both four positions are open. I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy when you think about like, People have been asking for these moves for, you know, Turner, for Harkless, for Amin, for somebody new in there. And they've got new guys now, and we're still not sure who those guys are. We've got a good idea that it's going to be Hood and Collins, but it's, you know, Stotts is, is a wizard. He, he He's going to pull something funky out of here. Yeah, two or three years ago, I can't remember what it was. I think it was like three years ago, I had to get out my Lego set and I had to make a little set of uniforms for everybody and just like put them on the table so I could see how they fit together. Cause I just couldn't figure out like, how do all these pieces go and like, which ones, when one goes out, who should come in? Like, what will all that look like? So that'll be, that'll be interesting to see. And uh, yeah. So, you know, all those years we sat around going, come on, Blazers do something. Well, they did some stuff. Yeah, no, 
It was funny. I had a friend of mine from uh, Denver who was like, she, she was like, I'm freaking out because Denver isn't doing anything. And I was like, you're going to be fine. You guys just need to all hold tight and just grow together one more year. You have so many great, you know, raw pieces. You just need to get some more continuity. And I was like, oh, my God, I sound like, <laughs> I sound like an old lady. <laughs> you know, like I've heard oh. this speech before. <laughs> I know. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, it, it's nice to be, you know, for all the, the, the idioms of, you know, change isn't always great. Grass isn't always greener. Like. I, I like what they did um, in the sense of um, what they could do. You know, you got to have two partners. I don't necessarily think that this is I – don't, I don't think this is the, the optimal deals, but um, I'm interested to see how it plays out. Yeah, and I don't think they ever are, right? I mean, if everyone – well, no, but like if every, I mean, of course, okay, yeah, I guess well, Anthony <laughs> Davis sits down there in Los Angeles. I guess I should yeah. qualify that, but you know what I mean? It's, I think it, I think those are more rare. I think it's like, you know, you get what, you know, it's like, you can't always get what you want, but you get what you need. Yeah. No, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. Well, we didn't really talk about Jake, but you know. <sighs> hey, get, get money. Best of luck to you, young man. Happy for him. I think he's he just got married. married. He just got married. He, he just he had the wedding. Yeah. So so yeah. I don't know when. When do you do you ever like unfollow or change your Google notifications for players who move on? Yeah, I. It depends. Like I won't. Like I won't. Like unfollow Evan. Yeah. That's not. That's not happening. Uh, I. I won't do it for Myers. Uh, but there's certainly guys that have left. Like, uh, like Shabazz. Yeah. And just uh. Nice player, just but I mean, like, I'm not gonna like. There's certain guys that I unfollow, or some guys that are turn, not necessarily unfollow that I'll turn off notifications for and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But um, then there are the guys that that you know I, I love, like Ed. Mm-hmm. Like I'll I'll continue to follow Ed and keep my notifications on for Ed, and same for Evan and stuff like that. But so while you were gone, friend of the podcast, uh, Brendan vote from um, or Brand Brendan from uh, Denver. You know, Denver Stiffs, yeah. He made a comment about uh, Ed Davis on Twitter. And so, like, all these people on Portland, you know, he made a, a complimentary, he said something complimentary about Ed Davis and about Ed mm-hmm. Davis, like, never got paid enough and he should just get paid. And all these people in Portland, like, piled on. And he, he was like, where is this coming from? <laughs> He's like, if anybody says anything on Twitter about Ed Davis, everybody from Portland just like comes out of the woodwork and just <laughs> wants to talk about Ed Davis. And we still yeah, I mean, think that Ed Davis is ours. Well, was, I mean, why not? I was kind of shocked. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's just, this is, that's, a, that's, that's cult hero status. So I think, I, I don't think I turned off my Google notifications about Ed Davis until like April of this year. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Realistically, there's just some guys that you just continue to follow. And I'd get them in the morning and just be like, oh. So I got to I got to go through my year. Usually on 4th of July is when I redo all my Google notifications. I haven't done it yet, though. You and I have very different ideas of plans for the 4th of July. (laughs) I actually went on a hike this 4th of July. I got out in nature and that was really good. Danny blows up everything. Tara does her Google notifications. <laughs> oh, you were one of those people out there uh, doing all of the uh, fireworks. And, and, and copious other things that explode. Oh, my gosh. It was so loud <laughs> last night. Okay, well, let's go ahead and wrap it up here. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, for all of our listeners, let's see. I'm going to be going down to Summer League, going to be down there with a couple Lucky. of writers. So we will be doing some coverage from down there. I'm sure you and I will. Well, chat. you might be doing some coverage because just they just announced they have a structural engineer inspect Thomas and Max before resuming any other scheduled games. Well, I should hope so because last, okay, tonight when they were like right after it happened and can we just all say like the, somebody get Doris a a Xanax (laughs) and a beer. (laughs) Well, I mean like a lot of people were freaked out and it's just like, these are sports reporters and commentators, not news reporters and, you know, so, like, they've had a different type of training, like, for crisis and stuff like that. So, anyway. talking over the top of it and they act like nothing's going on. Like, yeah. So, like, <laughs> during the, while well, they were all standing around and they were, like, covering, like, the delay of game, um, you know, they were talking about whether or not, you know, uh, they could reschedule the games. And I'm like, they should be talking about when they're going to get the structural inspection in there. So, then they can decide if they're going to let people back in this building. Yeah. <laughs> It was so, uh, interesting to say the least. Yeah, so, um, all those all those earthquakes are scary. So yeah, maybe maybe we will, maybe we won't. Maybe I'll just <laughs> go to Vegas for three days and you'll never hear from me again. Yeah, it's um, it's not 120 degrees, so you got that. No, it's going to be a very cool like a 100 ball, degrees, a, a balmy 102. Yeah, very comfortable 102. So, <laughs> but my point is that our schedule is going to be a little erratic. We will hop on when we've got something to talk about and it may be pretty frequently and i've got a couple people from women's hoops and talks lined up to talk to as well so everybody go ahead if you haven't already subscribe so you can get the latest episodes as soon as they drop you can find me at tcb bigs on twitter and you can follow blazers edge at blazers edge you can follow the hoops and talks podcast at hoops and talks dan why don't you take us out of here all right. Uh, as always, you can follow me on social media at DMARANG, at D-M-A-R-A-N-G, uh, on Blazers Outsiders on Thursday afternoons at 6.30 now for the rest of the off season on NBC Sports Northwest. Uh, we will have some stuff coming up. Uh, we're going to be at the Rip City Cornhole Tournament, uh, like we were last year on Top of Motor Center at the beginning of August. So, uh, if that's something you want to be a part of, if there's a link uh, on my Twitter, I think. I'll have to double check because I haven't updated it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there will be again. Uh, it's, it's a really cool event. Uh, just get out there, have a few drinks, mingle with some uh, Blazers alumni, and, and play some cornhole on top of uh, the Motor Center parking lot. Just have fun. Uh, just bake in the cement. Yeah, just in August. Yeah. <laughs> and lovely. Play some cornhole with some beers and talk blazers. Uh, we had a really cool time last year. So, uh, we got that coming up. Got a couple other things. Uh, we do have a couple, uh, interview versions that we don't typically do on the podcast coming up with some, uh, active players, uh, in the league. So, uh, that'll be cool. And that's obviously that's here on the blazers edge pod, but also on, uh, Blazers Outsiders, we'll have them uh, in studio. So that'll be cool. Uh, other than that, I think that's it. So for Terrible and Biggs, Team Mom, uh, I'm Danny Merrin. We'll catch you guys next week. Bye. Like RJ and Shannon, we've been friends forever because they. Yes, Kawhi's played- going to the Clippers. Yes. Okay, thank God. Oh, thank God. I'm so relieved. Yay, that's exciting. I'm so excited.
I mean, I would rather he stayed in the East, but at least he didn't go to the Lakers. Are you there? Yeah, yeah, no. I'm... Oh, okay. <laughs> Did you pass out? Uh, I'm, in shock? Uh, I'm laughing. Okay. That's, that's a very quiet laugh. It's, uh... Now here comes Shams. Yeah, you got... you Shams, you got cleanup duty. Chris Haynes won that one. Good for that, him. That is just perfect. Oh, oh it. Oh, no. What oh, the hell? Oh, God. No. How, wh- what? What? <laughs> How did that work? What? What is Oklahoma City doing? What the hell? How How did that... Oklahoma... Wait. What? For draft choices? Oklahoma City. Oh, I should have gone Whoa. to bed 10 minutes ago. Holy <laughs> shit.